Hey everyone, and welcome to Cozying Up with a Clear Cut, where we get up close and personal with women that inspire us. Today, I'm so excited to be sitting down with Pat Dombe. She talks all about her experience as a Botswanian woman working at De Beers and even living on a diamond mine. This is a special peek into how ethically sourced diamonds give back to local communities and how important diamonds are to Botswana. Take a listen. Hey everyone, and welcome to Cozying Up with the Clear Cut, where we get up close and personal with women that inspire us. Today, we're sitting down with Pat Dombe. She is the VP of Market Outreach for De Beers Group. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. It's so great to be here. I'm so excited. So Pat and I met last year in Botswana. We were there for the Forbes 30 Under 30 conference, and she was so inspiring. I learned so much about Botswana and natural diamonds, and I just kind of want to hear a little bit and learn about your background, your career, and how you got to where you are today. Great. So, um... First of all, it's really good to be here. It's lovely to be in your studio. You have incredible offices. <laughs> Thank I mean, you. I wish everybody could see what you're doing because this is really what the future is all about. Um, speaking about myself, mm -hmm. I come from diamond country. I always say to people, the amazing thing about Botswana diamonds is what's it's done for our country, you know? Um, we were cattle. A cattle country. We were like one street. Um, when I was little, we only had six miles of road. And as a result of discovering diamonds about two years after independence and where we are today, we've got over 6,000 miles of road. Wow. Really nice highway, <laughs> a very nice bridge. I always talk about our bridge because it looks like our San Francisco bridge. <laughs> but the point is, is that what diamonds have done have allowed for... Um, a, a country that had nothing to become a medium-sized economy. And a lot of us went to school as a result of diamonds. We got scholarships to go to um, school for free, free education, housing, um, and the opportunity to travel around the world and see what the world offered and bring a lot of that back home to Botswana. So I um, got a scholarship to go to school um, through uh, De Beers and the Botswana government and went to university in Canada. Nice. Freezing. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely colder than Botswana. <laughs> but a great place to learn and really learn about what it means to be in a medium or high-end society and the opportunities. And the other great thing about going to um, a, a, with a scholarship to, um, to Canada was you got to come back home and you came back home and you had a job immediately. You weren't um, out without a job. You were positioned in a management position on the mine. So when I was talking to my Canadian American friends, they're going, geez, I've got to deal with a, a school loan. I've got to find a job. I need to put a CV together. I'm going, I have a job waiting for me when I go back home. So your first job was at the diamond mine? The diamond mine. It was actually what we call the Prince of Mines, which okay. is Joining. I'm sure you've heard of Joining. It's uh, in terms of value. This is where most of the diamonds come from in Botswana. So what is it like to work on a diamond mine? Because I think there's a lot of misconceptions around it. Well, first of all, it's like this little oasis, right? So... Um, 
It has infrastructure, proper housing, hospital. In fact, my son was actually born in the private hospital <laughs> in Juneng. Um, and it really is an, a middle-class existence where everyone who lives and works on the mine, um, there's a future for everyone who works there. But the amazing thing about the mine is the support that they give around the villages that are around the mine. So that means that they get free healthcare, free access to um, education from the mine as a result of being the village that surrounds the mine. Wow. So it, it has a, a, a ripple effect, a positive ripple effect as a result of that. Wow. So how long were you there and what was your next career move? Yeah, that's the, the other amazing thing about working. I mean, people don't realize that there's, there's an opportunity to succession plan your life, your career life. So you start as a lower middle uh, management person and you're allowed to develop, do as many courses as you want within your field or beyond your field and go into the other areas of aspiration and inspiration for yourself. So I moved from what I was doing, which was in human resources and moved into government relations. So I moved from De Beers as it was and moved into Anglo-American, which was the head office mm -hmm. um, for, uh, for De Beers in Botswana. Um, and then I left the system altogether. Mm -hmm. uh, for many years, I was in media, um, worked with Coca-Cola um, as head of corporate affairs for in South Africa, as well as Footcone and Belding, which is a big advertising firm, which is listed on the U.S. Stock Exchange under a holding company. And I got headhunted um, soon after Coca-Cola to come back home. Um, when uh, De Beers and the Botswana government decided to set up the um, sales center uh, for selling diamonds in Botswana. So in terms of the exposure that I'd gotten and the education I had um, and the opportunity to do different courses and development, I was able to go into different areas. I am not an exception in Botswana, I think that there are many of us who have gone through the path that I've gone through. Um, a fantastic base, you know, of getting free education, living a middle-class existence, going to school overseas, whether it was in Canada, the United States, Europe, and then everybody wanting to come home. That was the amazing thing was, you know, we would be with other foreign students who'd be like, I don't want to go back home and we couldn't wait to mm -hmm. go back home and make a difference. And a lot of us who are um, as old as I am are in leadership positions, including our president, yeah. <laughs> who is in my class <laughs> and is now the president of Botswana. So, you know, it's it's almost like, a you know, people talk about the American dream. They, that was the Botswana dream, mm -hmm. was to be able to go to school, get a scholarship, go to school, and go back home and make a difference and start your own future um, and career. And I think that that's incredible. And it was really eye-opening when we were in Botswana because I'd always, you know, we only work with natural and it's always been really important to us um, the ethical mining aspect. Mm -hmm. um, Kyle, my husband and co-founder, he previously founded like a fair trade mine in West Africa. And he saw, you know, even small impacts that 
mining could make to local communities. Mm -hmm. But when we got to Botswana, I didn't know what to expect. And it was like, everything was so modern. Everything was so built up. Everyone had free education and talked about that. And it was, you know, so eye-opening. And I was like, how come people don't know about this? Like, why are there so many misconceptions around natural diamonds, mining diamonds, De Beers in general? Like, so what does... um, What do diamonds like mean to the people of Botswana? So, you know, they're the most precious thing for Mm -hmm. us because without it, I don't think we'd be having the same conversation. Mm -hmm. And, And I wish that the world would understand that diamonds for a country like Botswana, and we're not alone, whether it's in Namibia, also in South Africa, and for a community in, in, in Canada where mm-hmm. we mine, changes lives. It, it means that people can have hope, um, are able to develop themselves, be a community of, um, you know, of substance and pride um, and create new diamonds. And really for me as a Motswana, I always think about the future. I know that, you know, I won't be a De Beers forever, but I, I know that I will always play a role in terms of where Botswana is going. And, and for me to be able to say that there's a company like De Beers that's come into Botswana and is playing its role as a corporate citizen, because mm-hmm. it is about becoming a citizen and realizing what's important to the country. Like any other country, we just want to be able to live peacefully, live successfully, be profitable and look at diversification. And that's the really the next step within Botswana. And as a result of diamonds, as a result of the partnership with De Beers and other companies, we're able to look at diversification. So I always think of Botswana as, you know, like the Dubai of Africa because there was nothing. Mm-hmm. It was desert. Never judge a um, oh, what's his name? A book by its cover, right? Because yeah. you never know what's in the book. <laughs> <laughs> and um, as a result of finding them and proper governance, because it is also about that, that partnership between the Botswana government and De Beers in terms of what the future of the country can look like and the roles that the con- that the the founders of the government played and the role that De Beers continues to play as a corporate citizen is so important to the success of what's happened at home. And I thought, um, you know, when we were in Botswana, we got the opportunity to go to the De Beers headquarters there. Mm -hmm. And I learned so much too. Like I had no idea that the government of Botswana owns 15% of De Beers and Mm -hmm. that their um, mining partnership, Debswana, is a 50-50 partnership. So I think a lot of, young people here like think that you know De Beers is like exploiting people exploiting countries you know and it's really a joint partnership and most of the profits go back and directly you know help the people and help the community yeah so you know I think people history always sticks right Mm -hmm. um so I think people know the history of De Beers Mm -hmm. but the 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 present De Beers is a totally different corporation and as you rightfully say as a Motswana we have ownership Mm -hmm. in the country in the company who would have thought Mm -hmm. right so if you have 
African ownership as, as we know it. It means that things have had to change. And De Beers, the leadership within De Beers is very focused on making sure that we are corporatized. You know, and what does that mean in terms of best practice, ethics, making sure that we have purpose and impact in the partnerships that we have with our with our country partners. So, you know, I know that some people think, oh, yes, I know what De Beers used to do. Mm -hmm. But do you really know what De Beers is doing and take the time? And I'm not going to give you the corporate speak. Right. (laughs) But. If you ever get the chance to just go on the website and just take one thing that you're you're into, is it environment? Is it people? Is it, you know, economic impact, whatever it may be? Is it about gender? Mm-hmm. Is it about diversity? And check it out and see if what you thought you thought and what it is is there. Because I think you'll be surprised to see what you find out as De Beers is now. That being said. I think it's also about the partnership. You know, um, we have a saying as Botswana. Um, our voice is very important to us. Um, that's why democracy works in Botswana. And um, I think that if De Beers wasn't the De Beers that it is today, as a shareholder, something would have been said. So I think that balance um, and where it is now is a totally different perception of what it used to be. But that also being said, if it hadn't been for De Beers, I don't think Botswana would be where it is today. Hey everyone, Olivia here. Hope you're enjoying our episode. Our clear cut collection features fine jewelry pieces inspired and designed with you in mind. Our collection is ever changing and each piece is handmade and made to order here in New York City. Don't forget to check it out and use the code COZY, C-O-Z-Y, for free shipping on any purchase. So why do you think some of these misconceptions around natural diamonds have stuck around? Well, I think part of it is just negative stories always stick. I mean, we we, we all know the story around the blood diamonds. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when people think of blood diamonds, we all think of, oh, yeah, I remember that movie. Mm-hmm. Right. So and um, and we need to tell more positive stories. And sometimes I think people have they they hold on to the negativity instead of saying, could it really change? Mm-hmm. Um, and and so it's easier to believe something negative than to believe something positive and think, could that really be true? Mm-hmm. And what I always say to people is like you did come and see it for yourself. Mm-hmm. First of all, I think going to Africa on holiday is an incredible holiday. If you're into animals and conservation. I mean, I've um, never <laughs> it, seen so many elephants in my life and it was the most incredible experience ever. And that's the thing about yeah. Botswana as a result of its stability. Um, people always ask why there's so many elephants in Botswana. Well, we have to go back a few years and realize that independence for many countries surrounding Botswana is recent. Mm-hmm. So there was war in Angola, war in Mozambique, uh, war in Zimbabwe, and apartheid, fighting apartheid in South Africa. So, you know, animals go where it's safe, right? And and elephants have a very long memory. 
So Botswana was a peaceful environment. So we, the president always talks about the refugees of Botswana are the elephants. <laughs> so we have elephants from all these different countries surrounding Botswana. Mm -hmm. And because they have a long memory, they're not going back because they don't know what they're going back to. Mm -hmm. So we have over 250,000 elephants in, in Botswana. It's a lot of elephants. Yeah. <laughs> in a country of the size of Texas. When they say there's more elephants than people. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you feel that when you're in one of the game reserves yeah. and you're surrounded by, and remember the African elephants are bigger than the Indian elephants. Mm -hmm. Oh, they're huge. They're huge. You, yeah. you feel yeah. small and you feel a little, into, because they're wild, mm -hmm. right? And there's nothing worse than a mother with its child, mm -hmm. you know, as a human being, a mother with his child is very protective. Now imagine this massive elephant looking at a, a, a truck full of humans yeah. and wondering, are these good humans or bad humans? So it can go one way or the other. <laughs> so it's actually nowadays, I think, pretty rare that you only work with natural diamonds because of the rise of lab-grown diamonds. Yeah. and. Um, people are led to believe that if they're buying a lab-grown diamond, they're actually doing the more ethical, more sustainable thing yeah. by not purchasing a natural. So as a native Botswanian, someone who grew up around natural diamonds and mining, what would you say to someone who is considering purchasing a lab-grown diamond? So first of all, I, I think there's nothing wrong in purchasing a lab-grown, um, you know, but Think about the magic and the rareness of purchasing something that's no less than a billion years old mm -hmm. to demonstrate love. I mean, I can't imagine anything more romantic than that. Secondly, if, if someone was proposing to me and saying, okay, we're going to buy a lab grown instead of without doing the homework, mm -hmm. I think what's really important with something that's rare or something that you purchase that's expensive. Do the homework. I mean, we do it with clothes, we do it with coffee. You mm -hmm. know, now people have become all these um, specialists in coffee and teas. Yes. And you know where the tea comes from, how it was made, how it was packaged, et cetera, et cetera. Do the same thing with your diamond. And if you're not getting that information, that should be, wait a minute, I'm not getting enough to say one, I'm buying it at this price, and two, I know that it is ethically sourced. Mm -hmm. You can do that with our diamonds. I'm not saying just ours alone, but you can do that with the industry as a whole. You have every right and should be extremely discerning so that when you do purchase it, you think about someone like myself, and if not someone like myself, the woman in the village who depends on the stability and her her children depend on the stability of a country like Botswana. And what a beautiful idea that you're not only buying something that is rare, that is, you know, made by nature, years and years, millions of years, billions of years of nature. That's one side. But knowing that you're making a difference in a community, mm -hmm. knowing that you're making a difference. When we talked about those elephants. You know, it's really interesting in Botswana. The reason why conservation works in Botswana is because we're stable. If we weren't stable, then you would have problems with things like poaching, et cetera, et cetera, that you see in other um, developing countries. But because of the stability, we're able to invest 
in conservation. We're able to invest in the communities to say, help us protect the way it needs to be protected. Because at the end of the day, if we don't have that stability, then what? Mm -hmm. You know, everybody has to eat, everybody has to be protected. So thank God we've got diamonds. So when you buy that diamond, ask the questions, where is it from? How is it mined? If you're not getting those answers, and if the, the person doesn't know how to answer, then you have a choice to investigate it yourself and say, these are the only ones I want, and I want proof mm-hmm. of that they're, they're, you know, De Beers diamonds or anybody else's diamonds. That, um, and alternatively, that. if you're getting a lab grown, you should know where that was made as well <laughs> okay. and what that's doing to the environment. I didn't speak to, to lab grown, so I'll let you talk about <laughs> Well, because the arg- we, I think there needs to be more of like what you're saying, um, like the story that's told about how diamonds really do good for communities, for people, because there has been that narrative that they're unethical the most sustainable thing is to get something that should be created in the earth over billions of years over a couple of days in a laboratory. Yeah. Mostly yeah. in China. Yeah. You know, is yeah. that is that sustainable or are we greenwashing that aspect too? I, I agree. Yeah. Um, first of all, I want to say congratulations to the clear cut for being the purest. <laughs> you are we get amazing. A lot of heat. <laughs> yeah, I bet you get a lot of heat, but at the same time, I think you have such an incredible following because you're honest and very clear about why you're doing what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And I wish more people would listen to your story because sometimes when it comes from us, I mean, we live it every single day and you see both sides. And as someone, like I grew up in the industry because my family's always been in it and I didn't know all of this before I went to Botswana and met you, you know? <laughs> Even though Kyle had worked in mining, like we knew that ethical mining was important and that it did good but to see it for yourself yeah. is a totally different thing That's to be so like true. wow it's and, so true and meet locals that started businesses got educations you know um it's like we don't have that here in the u.s yeah <laughs> yeah and like you said it's more people need to hear about it. and people always ask why haven't you told right. the story and part of it has been in the old days 30 years ago we used to say Botswana is Africa's secret because, and I think we did that because we were the haven of peace. So we were, um, we had United Nations refugee camps for South Africans going into exile, Mozambicans, Namibians, it used to be called Southwest Africa, Angolans. Mm -hmm. So we were like, and Zimbabwe Mm -hmm. was also at war. So we were the hub of security. And so we kind of dealt with social impact again as a result of diamonds Mm -hmm. that's what people don't understand because there was nowhere for people to go Mm -hmm. right other than like I, i think you're seeing a little bit here with what's happening with the instability in south america mm-hmm. people look for peace mm-hmm. and botswana was that little haven as a result of diamonds mm-hmm. not because we were wealthy but because the government took the revenue from the diamonds and created stability. We didn't even have an army. We had a defense force. And the defense force was not to fight against other countries. It was to protect the people inside the country. Mm -hmm. And so 
and so when people talk about the, the you know the negativity about diamonds i said do you really know what you're saying mm -hmm. because if it hadn't been for diamonds you know i think of someone like um you know uh there's so many people nelson mandela came through botswana during um, the period, there's a, a wonderful story about him coming through and getting protection in Botswana before he went on. There's so many um, historically freedom fighters, historical freedom fighters who used Botswana as a safe haven before they went on to other passages. So the history of Botswana and diamonds is not just emotional. It has, thank God we had it because I don't know if we'd be having this conversation about anything, about conservation, about people, about stability in the region, you know, if it hadn't been as a result of diamonds being in Botswana. And what do you think is the future of diamonds? <sighs> so I, I think people need to understand that if you haven't bought one, buy one. <laughs> People think that De Beers is holding them all in a vault and not releasing them. Like, literally, someone told me that the other day. Oh, my goodness. Which is oh my goodness. not the case. You know, I can tell you there is no stockpile of diamonds um, at, at De Beers. Um, it is becoming more expensive to, to mine them. Uh, the wonderful thing is technology is getting much more sophisticated. So some of the big um, uh, rocks, <laughs> they're no longer stones. Some of the rocks that have been found are just amazing as a result of technology in an open pit. This mm -hmm. is not digging deep down. This is just in an open pit, which is amazing. Um, and so, but I do say to everyone who hasn't bought one, I would really buy one because this is going to be more and more rare. Mm -hmm. And that means that, you know, it's all going to be about the DNA of a real, authentic, you know, universe God-made diamond mm -hmm. um, that will have its value. And so if you haven't bought one, buy one. Because it's going to be expensive. <laughs> it is going to get more and more expensive. And, you know, I always tell my friends who say, I can't afford to, to buy mm -hmm. a diamond. I said, you don't have to buy... A, a one carat, mm -hmm. you know, buy a, a point twenty six point anything, buy something, and slowly build your your collection. But then you have something of one of the inheritance of your country, and two that you can pass on mm -hmm. to um, the next generation. So when people say, you know, the future is lab grown, I'm going. For yes, that that may be true, but thank goodness I've been able to purchase a few. And I say to everyone, if you can just purchase the one, just buy one, mm -hmm. then you have something that's going to be rare. Yeah, and I think that as technology for lab grown gets better, and as natural diamonds get rarer and rarer, I, I think you know two of the largest mines shut down in the past couple of years like yeah. one in australia yes. one in canada yeah. um they're just it's just gonna be cheaper and cheaper on one end and more and more expensive on the other end yeah. and they're just gonna be different categories absolutely absolutely i mean i think it, it, it's a i can't speak as from a qualified position but i can say that what i do know is that anything that's rare becomes expensive yes <laughs> and i mean I, I think about my daughter who was 
uh, four years ago, she's saying, mom, I'm only going to wear vintage and vintage was relatively cheap. Mm-hmm. Right. And now yeah, it everyone is, wants it's so expensive. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and it's all about how old is it? Mm-hmm. Who made it? When did you buy it? Mm-hmm. When was it made? And I think the same will be true of, of, of natural. Thank you so much for joining us today, Pat. This was really eye-opening and we need to share this story more and more. So I'm glad we could get it firsthand from you. (laughs) Thank you. Um, And I look forward to going back to Botswana soon. Please. And everyone needs to go. You have to. And I do want to say one thing to you, Olivia. I think the best thing was to hear you talk about diamonds in a natural environment when we were in Chobe. Mm -hmm. And we were all looking outside. Um, We were looking at the river. And I think it was Kyle who said, look at the sunset on the on the water. Was it? I think it was Kyle who said that. And that's what I remember about you, how you guys were just naturalists. That's what you focused on. Mm -hmm. So it's really good to be here. Thank you. Thanks so much. Wow, what an inspirational conversation that was with Pat. It's so amazing to hear her experience firsthand since there's so much misconception around diamond mining and Africa. Botswana is an amazing country. I can't wait to go back and I hope you guys visit too.